It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is, is the Go Birds Podcast. Hey, hello. It is the Go Birds Podcast presented by Park Sportsbook and Casino. Uh, a big day here uh, as we are merely uh, recording this around uh, two-ish in the afternoon. Less than 24 hours away from the duel. The moment. Elliot Short parts first. Jack Fritz, let's go. Yeah, James, actually, we're going to start right off with this. I have a bit of a bone to pick with you. Oh, it, did you hear me on the radio? Is that why? Oh, oh, oh I heard you on the radio, <laughs> yes. I am, I am always listening. I have ears everywhere. Bet the house I wouldn't get a hit. Yes. I mean, James. I feel pretty James, confident about it. You clearly did not see me make contact on 75 <laughs> miles an hour out of the batting cage. No, so, no, sadly, I did see you. That's part of the reason I'm willing to bet the house. Well, 30,000 people saw me as of now on Twitter. And let's just say the comments have not been nice. But you know what? That's okay. <laughs> I think a lot of people prior to seeing the video would have said I couldn't even touch 75. So, you know, I, I'm I'm feeling more confident than I ever have. I was at the batting cages this past weekend, you know, perfecting my craft, putting in the hours like all the great ones <laughs> do, you know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it was me. That It wasn't very crowded there. It was me. And then a few cages over were a few 12-year-olds. We were all just all just getting that work in. Um, I gave them my extra tokens when I was done. <laughs> the, gentleman, the gentleman I am. Those, and, are, your, uh, yeah. those are your people, Elliot. Yeah, it's just the a bunch of baseball guys. 12-year-olds hanging at the bat, batting cages. Right, hanging gonna, out at the cages. We're going to get more into this. Uh, I, I just I can't wait. For those who don't know, tomorrow at noon, Tuesday at noon, Jack Fritz versus Elliot Shore Parks. We're going to see if Elliot can luck into one against Jack. We'll get back to it. Let's talk about what people are here for Elliot because uh, it's been three days since you and I have, to, or at least three days of practice since you and I have talked, or I guess two days since we talked on Saturday. But in terms of here on the pod, um, it's been a few days and there's been a lot of things that happen. There is a specific situation that I particularly want to talk about with you, but just over the last couple days since we last spoke on the airwaves, so to speak, uh, what's kind of stood out from practice? Mm-hmm. So on the last uh, show on Go Birds Radio, we really dove into the offensive line and their issues that they've had. Um, at this point, you know, I don't want to belabor the point. It is, <laughs> it is a major issue. Like it is. That's what continues to stand out. First play, 
today in 11-on-11s, recording this on a Monday. First play, Fletcher Cox gets through the line and quote-unquote sacks Carson Wentz. I mean, just another poor showing from the offensive line. Um, So we can talk about that in a little bit, but I think that maybe at the same time if we're going to rip the offensive line, maybe it's time we start to talk about this defensive line as something that I think could actually end up being really good. We talked to Jason Kelsey on Sunday after practice, and he said they might not see a better set of defensive tackles this year than they did, than, than they're seeing every day in Fletcher Cox and Malik Jackson. Javon Hargrave not out there yet because he he's dealing with an upper body injury. But as I watch the defensive line every day, they do look good. Like, again, the offensive line's a problem, but Fletcher Cox looks completely healthy. And, you know, when we, we kind of look over the eulogy of the 2019 season, there's a lot of reasons that it didn't go as planned. Fletcher Cox not being 100% was one of them. When you don't have arguably your best defensive player, and I think most would say definitely your defensive, your best defensive player, if he has a down year, that's going to impact your whole defense. He looks 100% healthy. He looks great out there. He's been absolutely just demolishing the interior of the Eagles' offensive line. And then Malik Jackson is also off to not, not many players in camp are having a better camp than he is. He looks fit. He looks lean. He looks quick. He's been living in the backfield. And when those two are really dominating, you can see how that's helped the defensive ends. I think Josh Sweat has had a really good camp. Uh, Brandon Graham has been a little quieter, I would say, but mostly that's just because the pressure is so quick coming from the middle. It's been hard for him to really you know, get much going. And he's also been going against Lane Johnson, at least when Lane was out there. So this defensive line, something that coming into the season we all thought was going to be an issue, has looked really, really good the first, the first, you know, seven practices. I mean, that's a big deal. That's important. And the Fletcher Cox thing especially, I mean, thinking about, you know, last year, you talk about last season, you even said heading into the season that, that you know, Fletcher not really able to practice, not really able to be involved in everything. And, and it ended up being a big factor, a, a storyline that ran throughout the season that Fletcher Cox isn't the same guy. So I think that's a, that's massive. And look, also for Malik Jackson coming off an injury like that, you know, you want to see him healthy and look good. So that is a positive. Um, and obviously, once you get Hargrave back, I do think that that has a potential to be one of the true strengths of this team, that interior of the defensive line. And what that could do for the for the defensive line as a whole, I think, is massive. But you alluded to it. What Quickly, we're going to get into specifics on the offensive line. But do you think, if, if I had to say to you, so far through camp, is it more the defensive line is great? or the offensive line is terrible, What if you had to choose one, and again, I know it's parts of both, and that's kind of what we're talking about, but if you had to choose which is more, the offensive line stinking or the D-line being great? So I, I will say before I pick a side, I do think it is very hard to tell just because the people that are struggling, like Jason Kelsey is you know the center, obviously, of the whole line, so he's the center of the interior line as well. And the fact that they're struggling so much, and Jason said on Sunday that he thinks Jason Peters has actually played really well. So wow, I, I mean that's good to hear, I suppose, right? Yeah, I mean I don't think he's going to rip Jason Peters, but he said you know that, that would he, be something he if he just came out. I was like, wow, for a guy who's been in the league this long, this dude cannot yeah. figure out guard. Like this is a disaster. No, no God, but what are we going to do? <laughs> he's not going to say that, especially about Jason, about Jason Peters, but. You know, I tend to lean that it's the offensive line just because as optimistic as I am about Fletcher Cox and Malik Jackson, like the Andre Dillard thing to me is just such a question mark. I mean, today they're out there with, you know, uh, Jordan Mailata at left tackle, Matt Pryor at right tackle. And one thing I think we need to start worrying about a little more is Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson's now been out for two straight days of team drills. Didn't do anything today after doing, I think he did a little bit of individual the day before. He's dealing with an injury and... 
I don't know how serious it is, but the vibe I get is that like this is maybe not he's going to be practicing on Tuesday type of thing. So that's just something to keep an eye on. I mean, it, there's just a lot of a lot of question marks on the offensive line, and that's why if I had to pick out of the two, I would lean the offensive line more being a problem than the defensive line. And I don't mean to say that in a way to disparage what the defensive line's been doing. I just see more holes on the offensive line. Yeah, and look, I, I think that that. That makes a lot of sense, especially considering how nervous we were about the defensive line coming in. It would be quite a change mm. if we were, you know, fully believing in them after some practices. But I think, look, let, let's get to Dillard because I think that's clearly the story of the day. Not practicing today, right, was on the sidelines. Um, when he has been out there, has obviously had issues. Where are we at with Andre Dillard? Why wasn't he practicing today? And, like, What's the deal, man? What's the deal with Andre Dillard? So upper body injury. Uh, yes, on Sunday's practice, he left. It's great. Yeah, yeah. well, that's what they do now. It's like upper, lower body. It's that's all they give us. Yeah, upper, lower, and, and illness. That's like the, the general definitions we get now about injuries. Um, so Sunday's practice, I don't know when he hurt himself, but he came out. His, uh, I mean, it is upper body. We know that. But I saw a trainer looking at his hand, um, and he went first into the injury tent and then into the locker room. Today he was out there, but just as a bias, like just watching. And, and I will say I didn't see like anything wrapped on him, which I guess is encouraging. And I also think the fact that he was out there is also a good sign. Normally, if a player suffers a serious injury, they're not at practice in the early goings. They're they're either you know back with the trainers doing rehab that type of thing. So the fact that he's out there, I think, was at least a, a semi good sign. But this guy needs reps probably more than anybody in camp. I mean, you can make the argument of Jalen Rager and some of these young rookies are going to play right away. But Dillard really, really needs these reps. So the fact that he's not getting them is just not a good sign. And again, like Jordan, my lot has been a disaster. So just with Dillard overall, I do think he'll probably play in week one. I think, you know, hopefully he's back at practice by, by the end of the week, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's not good. It just, it just really, really isn't. Um, and it just kind of backs up kind of what you've heard about him over the last year. Just like, Something doesn't really seem to be connecting. I, I I don't think it's that people don't believe he's not a good athlete. I don't think people don't think he's he doesn't have what it takes physically, but it just feels like something's not connecting completely. And again, I don't know what Andre Dillard's injury was, but I will just say like the juxtaposition of Andre Dillard not practicing and Dallas Goddard being out there with essentially a cast on his hand playing and he catches the football just wasn't I I thought a great look. So. Yeah, I mean, just extremely discouraging. It's really the only only way I can describe it. I'm 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 finding it hard to believe, Elliot. Like that's where I'm at with Andre Dillard right now. Is yeah. Like, I'll ask you this question, and I think you know my answer. By again, this is one of those classic. You know where the answer is going because I'm asking it a certain way. But who will play more snaps at left tackle for the Eagles this year, Andre Dillard or Jason Peters? Hmm. I know what you think. I, I mean, think it's Jason Peters, and I feel incredibly confident about it at this point. <laughs> All right, so the reason I'm not as confident as you are is because I don't only re, only way I think Andre Dillard doesn't play is if he's hurt. I don't think they're going to bench him wow. unless, unless it's like a complete complete disaster. I don't think they're going to pull the plug on him. I think he has a very long, uh, you know, rope. That is I, really, I, I, what makes you think they have a long leash? Like uh, again, I because he's a former first round pick. I know, you know, I like, know, but we're also talking about protecting Carson Wentz. I mean. You know, at a certain point, you have to say, all right, well, if this guy's not getting the job done, we have to take him out. I understand. Look, I think from a how he has proved, we know that the Howie Roseman thing is I'm going to give people a longer time than than maybe they deserve or whatever. 
I just find it hard to believe that with the left tackle, especially with the potential for like high level frustration with him, that he wouldn't be on at least a shorter leash, especially someone who has has proven nothing. I mean, if you if you bench Andre Dillard, you're essentially giving up on him. That's like, true. yeah, you can you can put him back in, but like, so you're telling me if he's struck, and I agree with you. Like, if you're protecting Carson Wentz, then you have to take that into consideration, right? Like, that should be the top priority. But also, at the end of the day, like he's still a first round pick. Like you wouldn't say you would bench Carson in his rookie year when he was struggling in the middle. Remember he kind of had that rough stretch. I think it was like Cincinnati wasn't great against Atlanta, if I remember correctly. Um, but so, you know, like their rookies are going to go through tough stretches. Now it is different again, cause you're protecting Wentz, but I do think it's a, it's a long leash. And I'll also say that, you know, moving Jason Peters from right guard to left tackle, it's definitely something you can do. He played the position for, you know, 17, 18 years. So he's not gonna need a ton of work, but you're then, Moving him, so you're making two changes on the offensive line. You're putting Matt Pryor in at the position, which he also has not played a ton at. Like, we think Matt Pryor could be good, but we don't really know what he's going to be. So, yeah, I mean, Dillard's kind of the, the key to this whole offensive line. And I also stress again, like, the lane injury, I think, is something we, we have to keep an eye on. Like, this is, I don't think it's like lane's okay type of deal. So, well, uh, I, elaborate on that. What may, is it? Just, I mean, he's missed some days of practice, but what makes you so concerned? Because they, cause they have seemed to be more cautious than not with players so far. So, you know, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, they're just taking it easy with him. What makes you think it could be more than that? Well, it's lower body, which I think is concerning. I mean, like, uh, upper body, like, those injuries keep you sidelined, but I don't think they're the type that, like, linger. Um, Lane dealt with lower body injuries last year. Uh, and I'm just I, – all, all I can tell you is from being down, down there at camp, I just have a level of concern with it. Um I just I'm I I think that this is potentially something where he could miss like a week of of practice if not longer and that that's just not good because he is obviously your best arguably your best offensive lineman I mean Jason Kelsey certainly is in there but the fact that he plays right tackle and you have such an issue at left tackle I think there's more pressure on Lane this year to play at a really high level because if Dillard's struggling you have to be very confident that Lane's going to give you a high level of play because if Wentz is constantly getting pressure from his left. That right side needs to be strong because if he's going to be rolling to his right, he needs somewhere to go. So I'm just more concerned about Lane than I was two days ago. Yeah, I, guess. And, I mean, that's super nerve-wracking, though. Like, yeah, I mean, Lane Johnson, again, right now we're talking about, uh, you know, and, and you have been very grave with your, your you know, opinions on the offensive line, and there's only two guys there that we feel like we can 100% count on in the positions they're at. And, and look, Isaac Samo is fine. You know, he's a fine player. I, I, I'm not saying I don't at all count on him. He's fine. But, I mean, Jason Peters and Lane Johnson are supposed to be the, the stalwarts. Those are supposed to be the guys that you can 100% count on to do exactly what you need them to do and, and also to potentially raise the level of play of those guys around them. No Lane, man. That's, that would be a really big deal for this team, like a, a massive deal in my mind. Especially when we're talking about guys like Mylotta as the backup, where I mean, like you said, you would be more surprised if he's on the team than not at this point. Yeah, and I wonder what they would do because Jack Driscoll is a guy that they like a lot. He can play guard and tackle. He's maybe someone you would put out there, but and you know, you, you look at Driscoll and you say, Well, he's a rookie, you can't put him out there. Well, Mylotta, I know he's been playing, you know, he's been on the team for a few years, but he hasn't actually played in the game. So in I mean, a lot Driscoll's of played a lot more football than, than it's even close. Right. And he, yeah. right, he played at Auburn, which is, you know, again, college football is not quite the NFL, but in some places it's, it's bigger and the games are just as important. So, you know, he's played in big-time football games. Mylotta has only ever taken snaps in a preseason game. Um, 
you know, they have Prince. They have the the rookie they drafted, Prince. Maybe you put him out there. It looks like oh he's had God. a good camp. This is not great, but, Elliot. I mean, that's the problem. The backup offensive lineman, you really don't have a lot there. Nate Herbig's been their sixth guy on heavy packages, but he's an interior offensive lineman. He definitely cannot play tackle. And I don't even know if they put him at right guard, to be honest. He seems more to be the backup center. And then Sayamalu could shift over. But, yeah, the offensive line, uh, it, it, it's a major issue. And, I, you know, it's just so weird to talk about because a, few, a week into camp, you never want to sound the alarm too much. And I think with the offensive line – They've earned the benefit of the doubt for sure. Like they've played well. They played at a high level for a lot of years. You trust Stoutland, all those things. But you can't ignore what you see. And like the the defensive line has just been outright dominating. But <laughs> sorry, the, the good part of that is I think the rest of the defense has actually looked really good because of the pressure the defensive line is getting. And that's great. And look, I, <laughs> I definitely agree with your point. The idea that this offensive line has earned some benefit of the doubt, particularly guys like Kelsey, Lane, Jason Peters. I know at a different position, but like these guys have earned the right for us to say, all right, just because they're not looking great in a, a you know training camp setting, not real games that matter, that we shouldn't go overboard. So I do agree with that sentiment, but, and it's a big but, Andre Dillard has proven nothing in this league, like literally mm-hmm. nothing. And the the... Everything we see with this guy is every day, every new thing is another mark against him. You know, every time it's like there's no, like the only time that we've gotten to feel okay about Dillard was played in a couple games last year and wasn't horrible. And, and I think that's something that we're kind of holding on to and latching on to. But I mean, every single thing, whether it's the the toughness stuff or these trade rumors we hear or this or that, it's just like there's so little to grab on to in terms of hope. Like, I don't know. I just, I'm at the point again where I'm not. I I understand why the Eagles are not out on him, nor should they be. They drafted him in the first round last freaking year, but yeah, I, everything that happens, Elliot, I find it harder and harder to be in on Andre Dillard. Like I feel so confident he's not going to work at this point. <laughs> that sucks. Like that's where I'm at. I I just don't believe well, in Andre Dillard. And what's crazy is too, like. Like you said, it was only a year. Now, week one, Washington, he's going to have a tough matchup with really, you know, whoever he lines up against. I, I think Chase Young, although a rookie, you can feel confident saying that's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, they have first-round picks along that line. So the, the the Eagles offensive line is going to be tested right away, and it's going to be a test of, like, is what we're seeing, you know, is it is it actually an issue, or is this just veterans getting ready for the season? But, yeah, week one in Washington is going to give us that. I Give us an answer to that right away. <laughs> Oh, Elliot. And look, the Lane thing, that's another reason to be concerned. Assuming Lane's healthy, though, I, I, I'm i with you on giving those guys some benefit of the doubt. It's just that Andre Dillard is the one guy in that group who doesn't really deserve benefit of the doubt because he hasn't really proven it yet. All right, uh, moving on from the offensive line, let's talk about a few of the – so for those who didn't get to hear it, and it is in the feed if you want to listen to it, our, our Go Birds radio show on Saturday. Basically what we did was we just said, all right, if you want to call up and talk to Elliot, who was down at practice, is one of the very fortunate few people who actually got to watch this stuff live with his own eyes, see every play. If you want to call in and ask Elliot a question about anybody, please, the lines are open. And we got a lot of calls. First of all, thank you to all the people who called. We love it. We appreciate it. But Elliot was going deep. Like, my <laughs> man's pulling out Adrian Killen stats and Michael Warren numbers and all this awesome stuff. So, Elliot, I want to... I want to dive into your 
unbelievable ability to recall things and also to dive into some of those deeper cuts, some of the bubble guys, because we are getting yeah. close, man. We're getting close to the point where all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is your roster. These are your 53. Like, it's close, man. It's very close. Who are some of the guys on the bubble right now who have either, in your opinion, really helped <clears throat> themselves or really hurt themselves? Let's start with the guys who've helped themselves, and then we'll get to the guys who hurt themselves. Who are a couple guys who stick out to you? Yeah, so I'm not ready to call this guy my new Jordan Matthews. Like, I'm not, you know. Hold you, up. You don't just. Hold you don't, up. I mean, even that lead in alone is is provocative, yeah. my friend. Like, you, you don't just, you know, you don't just jump into a it's relationship earned. like it's that, earned. right? You yeah. need to earn right? that, yes. You got to earn it. But you take you out to dinner I'm, a few times, buy a couple drinks. You know how it works. Yep, yep. You know, catch catch 80-plus passes. Elliot is not one row, to give it up on the first date is what we're saying. Right. So here's what I would say, though. Like, Deontay Burnett is just killing it. Oh, he's in! Yeah, I'm all in on Deontay Burnett. He <laughs> looks the part. If, like, if Burnett, if Burnett was a first-round pick, I think people would be so excited about him. I think it's interesting how guys that come to the roster a different way, it really impacts how excited people are going to get about them. Like, if he was just a signing at the end of the year, people don't have high FX pick. I has have has high of expectations. Wow, I could not say that. I, thought I don't you know nailed why. It. I thought you nailed it, buddy. Yeah, I'm not even still sure I said it correctly. <laughs> but but my, my point I'm making is Deontay Burnett is only 22 years old, right? He looks fast out on the field. I know his 40 was not great, but he looks just as quick out there as the other receivers. And he's catching literally everything thrown his way. I, you know, prior to today's practice, I haven't had a chance to go through my notes yet, but prior to prior to Monday's practice, he caught all the seven passes thrown his way. He's got three touchdowns. He's been doing it in the red zone. He looks dangerous across the field. And again, he's only 22 years old. Like the name Deontay Burnett to me screams like been in the league for four years with the Seahawks and is all of a sudden over here. Like they like this is what I thought about him. But he's only 22. He had a really good, uh, you know, really good college career at USC. I'm all in on Deontay Burnett, and I think he's helped himself more than any other receiver. I mean, you could argue Jalen Rager, but Jalen Rager is kind of in a different type of competition. He's gonna, he's going to be playing, and he's gonna be out there uh, on offense. Deontay Burnett's fighting to make the team. It's gonna be a tough numbers battle just because you do have Greg Ward, Deshaun, JJ, uh, Rager, and then I would assume both the rookies and Quez Watkins and John Hightower. I would assume both of them make it. If they do, that's six, and you're not gonna keep seven. But I think Burnett has earned a roster spot. He got snaps at the end of last year. Didn't do much with it, which is not great. But he had that I'm one catch. On. That one catch yeah, in the Giants game was yep. great. Yeah. Look, I, yeah, I, I only I, played 15 snaps. Yeah. But he, look, yeah. I was impressed with that catch for what it's worth in an NFL game. There you but go. Yes. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm not there yet. But I, look, it'd be there. There are way more shocking things that have happened than than an undrafted free agent you know, figures it out and turns into, I, I liked him at USC back in the day. Not that I watched a ton of him, but what I saw, I liked. Um, but to the second point you made, because I think that's kind of an important one here is look, there are four roster spots locked up for wide receivers heading into the season. The, the first four you mentioned, we know that Deshaun, Greg Ward, Jalen Rager, and JJ are all making the team no matter what. So do you think the Eagles would get rid of one of those two rookies? Because both Quez Watkins and Hightower have been, you know, guys they've liked so far this camp, it seems like, or at least guys who have flashed at times. Do you think there's any chance that 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 Burnett passes one of those two guys for that sixth spot? Well, the Alshon Jeffrey thing, Lord. Well, yeah, I figure he's going to be well. on pup to start the season, so they're not going to worry about that decision yet. But yes, right. I, I thought about that when asking the question. 
Yeah, but I mean, so, right, so once he comes back, then that's another spot that's gone. Right. I mean, cut, cutting the rookies really comes down to whether or not you think they get they get through uh, through waivers. Now, every year we, we say, like, you know, this guy's not going to get through waivers. He's been killing it with the Eagles. And then everybody except, like, one or two players in the whole league clears waivers. So I think, in general, it's not as hard to get guys through waivers as people make it out to be. I do think this year especially you won't see as many guys picked up on waivers just because you've seen less, you know, kind of, player movement throughout the league not as many signings not as many i don't think there's been a single trade in the nfl so far in training camp not at least not that i can think of so um you know i I think you can probably get both of them through uh and then you can put them on your practice squad you can and then this year also you can protect guys on practice squad so if you have quez watkins on your practice squad you get him through waivers you can prevent another team from signing him the whole year now so who would the eagles feel is more ready to play in a game john hightower quez watkins or deontay burnett It seems to me like Burnett has been getting more snaps with the first-team offense than Watkins or Hightower. Now, Hightower's missed the last two days because of an illness, but it seems like Burnett's getting more snaps and more targets from uh, with the first-team offense and targets from Wentz than uh, Quez Watkins is. So I kind of think he has the edge right now, but you're also definitely getting Deontay Burnett through practice squad. Like, no question about that. He, He will clear waivers. So there could be that thing, but you can also move him up on game day. So there's a lot of different roster dynamics, but... I think Burnett has gone from a guy that I thought might not even be on the practice squad to someone that's definitely competing for a roster spot. And if they can do it, will for sure be on the practice squad and potentially a call-up guy on game days. Yeah, I think that's a fascinating way to break it down, the idea of, and especially with the different roster rules this year like you were just talking about, but the idea of who's more likely to get through waivers and get on the practice squad, I think that could have a lot to do with some of these bottom-of-the-roster decisions. But... To your other point, I, I agree with you. I think that, like, if they're looking at it strictly as, all right, who's most ready to give us something week one against Washington, I think you probably have to say Deontay Burnett. I mean, yeah, if he's sure. flashing now, he's played in an NFL game before, I, I think that's going to be a really, really interesting one to watch because I think for the for the average Eagles fan, my guess is that they would just assume that those rookies would make the roster and, and would not even think about Burnett. So I think that's an interesting one to watch. Who else you got, Elliot? All right, so let's go to the running back position here. Um, how they've been using the running backs has been, uh, they've really kind of changed as camp has gone on. So obviously at first, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott were getting the majority of the touches, but they've, Miles Sanders probably won't practice again, and Boston Scott just now came back today. and He was the starting running back, so it's pretty clear where they are. But Corey Clement is leading the running backs in total touches with 26. He has 16 carries, 10 catches. Um, he's been getting the bulk of the work. It's very clear he's going to make the roster. Uh, two running backs that have really impressed me. Elijah Holyfield is a nice combination, I think, of he's kind of as big as Michael Warren. Like I think he can serve those same type of purposes, but I think he's considerably quicker. He's looked really good uh, out of the backfield. He has nine catches. Didn't ask him, He did not do that a lot at Georgia, so it's good to see him be able to do that. I actually think he's caught every pass that's come his way. He hasn't had to drop. So Elijah Holyfield, a guy they picked up at the end of last season, I think that in terms of a roster spot, he's probably the fourth guy right now. It really comes down to whether or not they keep five. If they keep the fifth, Adrian Killens, I think, could earn a roster spot if they want him to be the kick returner. They've had him doing that uh, so far in practice. Hasn't been returning punts. It seems like Rager is the guy they're going to put back there. And after a rough start to camp with catching punts, he's been a lot better. So that's encouraging to see. But Adrian Killens got a lot of work. 
um, on Sunday's practice. I think he actually got more touches than any of the other running backs. As of right now, Killens is up to, let's see, I have my notebook right here. I will pull it up. <laughs> as of right now, as of right now, Killens is up to 14 total touches. So he's fourth among the running backs. He has six catches, eight carries, and he started to get some first team reps, which is very encouraging. And I think the fact that they're putting him out there with the first team shows that they think he could be on the roster as a special teamer and they want to get him some work there to get him ready. But he's definitely a guy whose kind of stock has gone up. If I wanted to go through the running backs real quick and just do stock up, stock down, I would do Corey Clement stock up, Elijah Holyfield stock up. I guess I'd go Miles Sanders stock down just because he hasn't been practicing. Boston Scott, same. Michael Warren Scott down. He's really not getting the reps I thought he would. He seems to be basically dead last on the depth chart. He's been impressive. He just hasn't gotten a lot of touches. And Adrian Killens, I would go with stock up. So overall, pretty encouraging showing from the running backs. So it sounds, reading kind of through what you're saying, that that right now you would assume they keep four and that it would be Sanders, yeah. Scott, Clement, and Holyfield. If it were right now, would that be your four? Yeah, I think that would be the four with Killens potentially the fifth. Or, I mean, it depends how they feel about Holyfield as a special teams player, but Killens is the fifth and then Michael Warren coming in last. All right, you got any other stock ups or are we on the stock down? Hmm, stock ups, other guys. Well, this is, I mean, newsworthy and also stock up. So, you know, we talked about the injuries at the top of the podcast, but um, Joshua Perkins out indefinitely with an upper body injury. That's not it. It's not a huge blow, but he was like cemented in as their third tight end. And if he's going to be out indefinitely, like I think he might miss the whole season. And if that's the case, they need a, a new third tight end. So uh, undrafted rookie tight ends, uh, Noah. God, I wish I could pronounce his name. Perfectly. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it right. I'm just going to Noah. Tioga, Ty- I don't know how to pronounce it. I think you it. nailed it. I'm going to say you nailed it. All right. All right. So, well, Noah, um, <laughs> he's had a, he's had a really good training camp. He has, and he's gotten more and more work now that Perkins has been out. He caught at least one, one touchdown today uh, on, on Monday's practice, and he had one on Sunday as well. Overall, he, he's, been, he's looked good when they've thrown it his way. He's getting more and more work now that Perkins isn't there. I have him down with six catches on six targets and a touchdown. And that was prior to today when he got even more work. So I think the stock is definitely up on him. They gave him a lot of money as an undrafted rookie, a guy they kind of made a priority signing. He seems like he's in line for a roster spot. Caleb Wilson, the other tight end, he's played well. He's just not getting the work that Noah is. So it seems like there's a pretty large gap between him and Caleb Wilson on on the depth chart. And it seems like he's in line for a roster spot. All right, who's stocked down so far? So, look, I'm just going to take the offensive line out of this because we've yeah, talked we, about we, it. We, we know where we're at with that right now. For yeah, sure. basically everybody is stocked down there. Um, I would say Nate Sudfeld. Uh, just because Doug said coming into camp that he was going to be the unquestioned number two guy. And there's been moments where he's looked like that. I mean, on Friday's practice, he got the majority of the reps. It was really the first time you've seen him get a ton of reps. He He just wasn't he was essentially splitting work with uh with Jalen Hurts coming in you know over the week prior to to last Friday so I would say the stock is down on him and then you know on that same token I think Jalen Hurts stock is up and that's hurting Nate's stock because Jalen has played really well there's really I mean I've seen him practice seven times now and he's been really good you know in six of them and arguably even the one day he wasn't great he just looked a little more like a rookie than he has but Nate my thing with Nate is and people tweet me because last year I said he was an elite quarterback prospect. And I still think he's a very good quarterback prospect. My only issue with Nate is for all like the raw talent he does have, and I think he has a lot of 
positive qualities. He just doesn't make plays. Like, you look at the touchdowns so far. Carson Wentz has nine touchdowns. Jalen Hurts has five touchdowns and three rushing touchdowns. Nate Sudfoot only has two. Like, he just hasn't, he hasn't made the plays that the other quarterbacks have. He doesn't seem to take chances with the ball. It seems like he dunks it, he dinks and dunks it more than the other quarterbacks. And so that would be my biggest concern. I think if you put him into the game, he might not make a mistake that Jalen Hurts would make, but he's also not going to make a game-changing play like I think Jalen Hurts will. So I would say Nate's stock is down, although he probably is still the backup. I think it's trending towards Jalen taking over that job. Oh, wow. All right, good. Well, that's what we want to have happen, right? I mean, that's that's a yeah. best-case scenario if Jalen Hurts can't win that I job. Got a, that, that's a concern. I got, I, got a large, I got a large pitcher offensive point for you, though, before we get into more individual guys. Sure. So, yeah, go ahead. Coming into the season, I think we all agreed they needed to throw the ball down the field more. Like that was, they needed speed. We've talked about it. Just get the fastest guys. And they, they've talked about it. I mean, Carson said this past weekend, the thing he wants to improve on more so than any other parts of his game is getting explosive plays down the field. And the weird part is the guys that they brought in to do that have done a good job. Like Quez has looked good. Um, John Hightower has looked good. I mentioned Deontay Burnett. I think that Deshaun, when he's been out there, has looked good. Like he looks fast. But if I were to tell you, like, after the seven days of practice, James, of their top five targeted players, how many are receivers? What would your guess be? <laughs> I'm going to guess uh, one. Only one. There you go. So <laughs> I'm very good at these. You're very good at these, yeah. So of their top five targeted guys, and now part of this is because of reps and, you know, Deshaun's a little in and out, but, like, of their top five guys, four are running back. I mean, sorry, two are running backs and two are tight ends. Like they're just dinking and dunking the ball. Like that's what they're doing. I can't remember one noticeable downfield attempt. I mean, the longest completion I think Wentz has was probably like 35 yards. Uh, Jalen Hurts has a bit of a longer one. I think his to Hightower was about 40, but it was fairly similar. They had I only I can only remember Wentz targeting Deshaun over like 30 yards down the field once, and it was incomplete. Like. They're just not throwing the ball down the field. Now, you could point and say, well, training camp practices lend themselves to dinking and dunking at times. But last year, by the time camp was over, four of their top five targeted guys were receivers. Like, they were taking shots down the field more often last year. They're not doing it this year. And I get it's just a week of practice, but for all the talk about all the speed, it, I think it's a little concerning and just surprising that they haven't been doing this. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, maybe you hope that they're uh... – saving some of that stuff for maybe when the reporters aren't there or they're playing some kind of games right. who which knows? would be pretty lame of them to do i, I mean agree. i can see I'm, that I'm, but... I'm just trying to be hopeful here Elliot, because right. look, i think i think the last thing that eagles fans want to see after them spending this offseason going out and getting Jalen rigger and Krez watkins and hightower and deshaun being back would be the same offense we saw last season like that offense felt like the type of offense that was strictly out of necessity. Like, you don't have a choice because you don't have anyone who could stretch the field, so this is what we have to do. You don't have to do that this year, theoretically, hopefully. So I think that'd be a big issue. Along those lines, though, I do, it does seem like, of those guys, it does seem like Jalen Rager is still getting rave reviews. Um, mm -hmm. Can he be a difference maker that maybe can kind of help in this regard and others? I think Jalen Rager is ready to compete, ready to to uh, to contribute to this offense from day one. Boom! I think he looks the part. Uh, he looks confident out there. He's getting all types of different reps. He's getting a lot with the first team. He's getting even some second team reps just to get him some more work. Uh, and he he's looked good when Wentz is thrown to his way. He had a really nice play on uh, Monday 
where it was a one-on-one drill. He does a great job off the line of creating separation. I think it's just because of the, you know, quick, a quick twitch athlete. Like he's able to really just kind of create separation pretty quickly at the snap. And once he has it, I mean, it's game over. He's just too quick at that point. But like, so on Tuesday, he was a one-on-one rep. I think it was with Darius Slay. He created some separation on the line. Darius Slay caught up, uh, went through him. The ball was a little bit low, but Rager dipped, uh, you know, reached low, grabbed it with essentially his fingertips, held onto it, pulled it up, broke the arm tackle from Darius Slay and was able to, you know, there was no other defenders, but he, he kept running. So I thought that was pretty impressive. You've seen him make a lot of different types of catches. Uh, he's had a few completions over the middle, or receptions, I should say, over the middle where he's had to jump up high to get them. Even though he's a little undersized, like he's not 6'2", um, you know, he's been able to get those those high-up catches. So he's looked really good. And, you know, I, I do think he's going to contribute from day one. I think the starting receivers are going to be Deshaun, Reger, and Greg Ward. I think maybe you see JJ like out there on the first snap, but I think in terms of snaps, you're going to see uh, just like total snaps in week one. I think it'll be Deshaun, Reger, and Greg Ward. And Greg Ward is like having a phenomenal camp. Awesome. I mean, w- we talked about it a few pods ago about how if he's your leading receiver at, uh, if he's your leading reception guy at receiver, that's probably not great. And I agree that is he that is probably not great. But he is the Zach Ertz of the receiving court. Wentz loves to throw it to him. He catches everything thrown his way. Phenomenal route runner. I mean, Wentz talked on on Sunday about how guys that he knows they're running that right route. Like he said, Deshaun's great at creating separation because he's such a good route runner. You know where he's going to be. Greg Ward, to me, is is like that as well. I think Greg Ward uh, is going to have a, an outstanding year. Um, you can argue he's the best slot receiver they've had, depending on what you think of Nelson. Like, So I, I, I think that... Uh, He's probably going to lead the rece- – I don't want to say lead them in re- um, targets just because of the Deshaun thing. I think it's still a bit of a wild card, but I think Greg Ward's going to get a lot of work this I year. I think he leads them in catches, and I think he might lead them in targets. I, I think I, I I think he's going to be a Wouldn't big surprise part of me. Yeah, and like you said, I, I think he's a great route runner. They talked about it a lot last year, but as a former quarterback, he understands scheme. He knows where he's supposed to be. He knows how to find soft spots and zones, all that type of stuff. Like, I'm I'm very high on Greg Ward for that, that you know, a guy who is – not even part of the team for the majority of last season. I, I think right. he has a chance to really contribute. And look, the regular stuff, that's exactly what you want to hear when you draft a guy in the first round, especially one where a lot of people, including myself, thought he was not the right guy to draft. Um, all right, uh, I got a lot of stuff I want to get to here. We got some reviews we got to read. We got some movies we got to talk about, some fun stuff. And yes. we still got to get back to you and, and Jack tomorrow. But um, before we move on to that stuff, is there anything else that has stood out to you from the last couple of days of camp that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, so I'm going to read a quote from you from Jim Schwartz and tell me what your takeaway from it is. All right, so here we go. Jim Schwartz talking on Monday morning. Our time is starting to run short, and the only thing we can do as coaches is to coach the guys that are available to practice. Sidney is into it. He's done a good job of staying up and everything else when he has been able to practice. But as coaches, guys that are on the field are the guys that are getting the reps and the guys that are available and doing those kinds of things. And just unfortunately, he has not been in there for this last week or so. There's still time, but time is starting to creep in on us. We're less than three weeks away from our opener right now. James, how are you feeling if you're Sidney Jones and you hear that? Well, here's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling that I am going to be the right one in our little are you out on Sidney <laughs> Jones or not. That's true. This is emboldening my belief that Sidney is not going to make it here nor be a part of the team. Honestly, that or a big part of the team. That type of quote, what it really does is it, it helps me kind of take that next step and wonder, is Sidney Jones going to make the team? At this point, Elliot, because like 
they got a lot of corners. I mean, they have guys they can play. I mean, we worried about, like, Cravon not making the team or whatever. Um, where are you at with Sidney Jones as, as the person on this pod who has been more in the Sidney Jones camp of the two of us and, and more believing? Um, I, I'm guessing that has to have changed at least a little bit for you. Where do you stand on Sidney now? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of regretting, you know, my pro Sydney. <laughs> My pro Sydney stance. Uh, no, I look, it's just tough because I do feel bad for guys that are hurt. Like it is a tough spot for someone that's not able to practice. Um, look, he he's on the sideline a lot. He just is. Uh, and he's still on the sideline. He did not practice today. Uh, you know, I don't know if he'll be out there tomorrow. But even prior to that, he was not really getting any type of reps like with the first team offense. It was always Avante Maddox. So Look, we've kind of beaten into a drum the fact that he's always hurt, the fact that he's not getting the reps. But that quote right there does make you think, would they outright cut Sydney? Like, would they just outright cut him? I mean, maybe. Like, yeah, maybe. Because if you can't trust him to be on the field, and the Eagles did sign a cornerback today, or at least agreed to a terms, uh, Trevor Williams, a guy that does have some experience for what it's worth. Like, I think he played a little bit with the San Diego Chargers before they moved. So, the, the thing about cutting Sydney is it's embarrassing for Howie. Like if you cut Rasul, I would say there's not as much of a public backlash as cutting Sydney. Sydney was a top of the second round pick, a guy that you basically took a chance on and had to convince people it was the right decision. Not to the degree that the Jalen Hurts thing is, but a guy that you had to convince people like, yeah, he's hurt, but you know what? We think he's going to be healthy. We think he's going to be good. A pick people were really excited about. But I think missing on Sydney and cutting him is the same kind of like stain on Howie's resume as the Danny Watkins one. Like it's not as bad, but having to cut him is just, you know, it's just embarrassing. So could you could you get a conditional late round pick for Sydney, maybe just to like save face and not having to release him? But it's not trending well. Like that quote is about as damning a quote as you can get from a defensive coordinator on a guy that's trying to make it a team. He's essentially saying like yeah, he's not out there and time's running up, so yeah. you better get out there. I mean, it's like, very I, blunt. Like, there is no, as is Jim Schwartz's way, like, there is no misinterpreting that quote. There is no, no. oh, what could Schwartz be talking about? He's made it very clear. And, uh, yeah, Elliot, again, I was not, as we talked about on this very pod, like, I'm out on Sidney Jones. I'm never expecting anything from him in an Eagles uniform. But I did think he would make the team. Now I'm starting to wonder. Like, that's the type of Well, quote. but to be clear, also, you thought he was going to make the team and I think we both did, but also you, you were just saying he was going to make the team because you didn't think they'd cut him. Exactly. You weren't like yes, in a yes. pro Sydney. No, no, yeah. no. It was not because I thought he deserved to make the team. I just, right. I didn't think there was any way to your point. And again, to what we said before, like how he has a history of not wanting to move on from guys he drafted as soon as he potentially should in a lot of cases. Like we always see that extra year. I mean, Mac freaking Hollins was still here last year. I mean, like it yep. happens all the time with Howie. So I'm with you, Elliot. I think that I would have been floored if if he was willing to cut Sidney Jones. But, man, that quote is damning. Like, that makes me feel like, how do you not give the job to someone who's here and practicing and doing things, you know? And it is crazy it's Sidney's fourth year. It is. I mean, you know, we talk about him like he's still a young guy, and yeah. he is. And I've made the point, like, he's only played 24 games. But, like, I mean, I remember seeing Sidney celebrate in the locker room after the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, like you know, like. Oh, no, yeah, <laughs> like for sure. He, how long ago does the Super Bowl feel, right? So Great point. Yeah. Time is definitely running up on Sydney. I mean, when you look at the cornerback position, there's a, there's the obvious locks, but I do not think both Rasul and Sydney are going to be on the final 53. Wow. Like Rasul's stock, I also think is down. I think he's had a rough camp. Uh, you know, he's he's still on the second team, but like I've seen him get them. 
I've seen Rasul as parts of drills with other players where like you look down the line and you're like, well, none of these fucking guys are making the team, you know? So like, <laughs> like, why is, like why is not Rasul good. there? Like, yeah. you know, he's running the drills where well, like the guys look, put the little things hi- on their helmet. Historically, like as we always talk about, they don't seem to value Rasul at all. So I would not right. be surprised if Rasul didn't make the team, but I, I would rather have him than Sydney. I don't it's not a question in my mind. I agree, but if they keep Sydney and cut Rasul, that just again speaks to what draft value means. Yeah, look, you know, either, like either it, way, it's a hit. I mean, it's either a second or a third round pick from 2017 that's not going to be here anymore, and that's a hit. Um, yeah. All right, uh, E. Anything else before we move on to the reviews and stuff? No, I mean, look, there's a lot of good reviews this week, and some people asked some questions, so we can get into a let's few things that way. Let's but, do it. I mean, we asked for reviews, uh, and our listeners, being the most awesome on the planet actually gave us some reviews. So you don't know how much it means to us. I get, I get texts from Elliot, like, look, we got another. Check this out. Yeah, yeah, it, you know. It is very yeah. cool. It is very cool. We appreciate it. Uh, rate and review the podcast. Again, more than anything, especially with the season starting, it, it helps people find it. It you know, puts it more in the iTunes stuff and all that type of stuff. So it really does help us out. So um, do it for me. Do it free. We appreciate it. E, what yeah. we got? So we're on a bit of a hot streak here. We're at 18 reviews in the last about week or so. Whoa. Of those, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. Of the of those reviews, I'm saying thank you. It's like 17 are one star reviews. Yeah, no, yeah. So of those reviews, 16 are five stars. Ah. One, yeah. One of them, one of them from a guy who gave four stars. Appreciate the review, Dinger Bell. Very upset. We called our new cover image a logo. Just you know, putting that out there. I guess he feels our terminology was not correct. Bill, I feel like you could have gone with five stars, even with your slight criticism Hold there. Up. So, but so I, he docked us because of our our non logo logo. It appears that way, but he does oh. say he loves the pod and, well, and to keep up the good work. I'll take so, it. I'll take it. I suppose, yeah. but for like what it's worth, we we didn't have anything to do with it. But sure, I mean, right. we you know okay, it's not like we made the so, logo, but I'm still gonna call it a logo. I mean, what else is it? An image? I guess it's an image. It's less Apparently. fun to say image. I get it, but we're not technical here, so right. I, I'm gonna call it a logo. Sorry. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. It might have just cost us from, another star, Elliot, by saying I'm calling. Yeah. Him well, I think Dinger Bill. I think you are allowed to re-review. So go back there. Please. Give us a five star. I, I love Dinger Bell. Is a great name. Like, good job with that. That's yeah. well done. I'm gonna be hitting some. I'm gonna be hitting some dingers on Tuesday. <laughs> We're so, getting you know, there. We're getting there. All right. So I'll, I'll run through a few of them. Uh, this one, the review, the reviewer's name is Mom's iTunes. He says whales are terrifying. Finally, someone else shares my irrational fear of whale. I understand I likely won't encounter one, but just knowing they're out there is enough. So I was glad that I was able to take the hit for the people, the community out there, people that are And I appreciate that that review said my irrational fear of whales because it is such an irrational fear, but I appreciate it. Right. All right. So a lot of people saying I couldn't hit a home run. Uh, Dynasty football. (laughs) Dynasty football uh, fan. Uh, addict says love the pod ellie could never hit a home run Boom. dolomite five-star review just a delight all the hopeful hun- all all of the hopeful home run takes you can ask for so lots well of said. people out there well uh said. this one another person his name is is basically just gibberish but he has a little smiley emoji uh he says ellie would eventually get one out not like he couldn't train and aim for poles so i have a very similar take for that when we get to it <laughs> oh good um, can't wait <laughs> Yeah. All right. This guy has a question. Five stars from M Smith 39. If JJ Arcega Whiteside, Dillard and Sharif Miller all prove to be bust this year, should the Eagles strongly consider firing Howie or at least give the responsibilities of drafting players to somebody else? And this is from Malik Smith. 
What do you think? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, they won't. Like, I don't, like, I, I love the thought. Um, I do think that, that, yeah, look, if they miss on an entire class again after missing on the 2017 class, for the most part, we hope Derek Barnett is something. But, um, look, I don't think that, I mean, how he's not going to lose his job, I, I don't think that you should necessarily fire him for that. But I definitely think that they need to, have more checks and balances there, like whether it's Andy Weidel gets more of a say or whether they go out and find a new Joe Douglas to come in and someone who's going to have more of a say. Like, yeah, I would be totally fine with that. Again, I do not think they will do it, but I would be totally fine if they wanted to say, all right, like, look, Howie, drafting's not your strong suit. That's pretty clear. Here's someone who's really great at it, and you're going to have to listen to him a little more than you did the last guy. I would be fine with that. I don't think they'll do it, but I'd be fine with it. Yeah, I don't think they will either. I don't think the Arcega Whiteside or Sharif Miller pick will, you know, impact things much. I know Jay uh, Arcega Whiteside was a second round pick. To me, Dillard. I mean, remember when Howie whiffed badly on Watkins? Two years later, he was basically removed. Or I guess you know they brought in Chip and he started to get more and more power. But like, Lurie has shown in the past, like really bad drafts do kind of matter. I think Howie still has an extremely long rope, but if he misses super bad on Dillard, like that's a very noticeable bad miss. And also, let's be honest, if the Jalen Hurts thing ends up to be a weird pick that doesn't work out for them, that's another high profile miss miss for Howie. So I, I think his his rope is long, but yeah, if the Dillard one is a miss, I think they should consider it, but I, I don't think Lurie will. All right, this guy from Indiana. It, Indiana Eagle. I feel like he's left us a few reviews. I, I definitely appreciate it. He says, listening to Babe Shore Parks today, and he has inspired <laughs> me to become a fighter. Yes! There babe Shore Parks is amazing. Well done, There we sir. go. The Babe. Um, and he's inspired me to become a fighter pilot. If he can't hit home run right off a major <laughs> league pitcher, I should be able to learn to fly an F-16. That is the same Agreed. rationale. Like, that is the yeah. same level of rationale that we're using here. So, well done. Well, I'm mostly just happy I'm getting people to believe in themselves. You know, like that's what it's all about. Oh, it's all the, just that was the real point of this whole thing. Like, you know, yeah. you're just trying to get people this, to believe they could do anything. This one is from Hayden. Just five simple five star. Elliot can't hit a home run. Got in, got out, left his point across. It's what we call a perfect review, and, and he's on point. Yeah. So well said. All right, uh, shooter one two three four. He left a review as well. We really appreciate it. Uh, Tommy Lack seven also left a really good review. Really, people did come through this week with some great reviews. It means really, a lot really to us. Like, it. it really does. Again, like I get excited texts from Elliot, like, look, there's another. So it does mean a lot to us. We really appreciate it. All right, I'm just going to go through the people that did it. Glassmania 12, Eagles fan for life 22 also came through with some reviews. Um, all right, this one is from Adam. He's in Mobile, Alabama, left a five-star review. He said, do you think it will steal shine from Carson to bring in Jalen Hurts on 50% of two-point conversion situations? What do you think his biggest role can be in Philly's normal offense next year? He'll hang up and listen. Very nice touch there. To yeah, WIP. good job there. Yeah, yeah, he should have said, let me get off speakerphone. And, uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's another one. First time, long time. Classic. Uh, so what do you think? What do you think, Jalen Hurts? I, I don't think he's going to be a, a part of the offense in that way. Uh, look, yeah. I'm fine with them coming up with some gadget plays and stuff like that. And to uh, his point there, I mean, uh, two-point conversions seem like the right type of Thing to have those installed for um i just don't think they're gonna do it i don't i i think they've made it pretty clear they don't want him to be a Taysom hill type of thing i just i don't see it i don't see jalen hart's having like packages of plays that they take carson Wentz off the field and put him on the field for so i think it's unlikely 
Well, and that's the interesting part is that like where you would think you would put like let's say your quarterback was and this is an extreme example because Tom Brady is obviously the best of all yeah, time. But yeah. somebody like all right, let's say Eli Manning. Let's say Eli Manning was your established starter like five years ago when he still kind of sucked. But five years ago, right? Like if you had someone in there that wasn't mobile and wasn't great in these like situational football things, I mean, Carson has been phenomenal in both third down and red zone. So, yeah, I think Jalen Hurts would be extremely effective on two-point conversions. I've seen him already this year at camp. I mean, he's almost unstoppable when he runs to the edge. Like, he's quick. He's powerful. He's excellent at reading a when to do it. You can really tell it's something he's done a lot. Like, he's very good. He had a play on Tuesday where, it, like, you know, you could tell the play was to be either hand the ball off or run. And he went to hand it off. And, it re I mean, he capped me up. He looked like he did it. A lot of the defenders thought he did, but he pulled it out at the last second and ran for about you know a four or five yard game before some before somebody touched him. So yeah, I think he'd be super effective on those plays. The issue is Carson is also really good in the red zone and third down. So taking him off the field, I just don't know if it makes sense, and I also don't know if it sits well with Carson. It's you know like if Carson yeah, has done a really good job in the red zone, me, why take sure. him out? Yeah, I would. That would. I just don't think there's any chance they're going to do it. I really yeah. don't. All right, this one five stars. Uh, Wrote a really a lot of really nice stuff from Swoop Bird, but what I what he really wrote that I know you'll love to hear, James. Just you know, quick little hashtag Dallas sucks, just oh, right there for James. Oh, what a yeah. review! Honestly, you could just yeah. review us five stars. Dallas sucks, and it's about as great a review as you could give, as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. All right, this guy five stars. Uh, looks like his name is I can't pronounce it, but L Dog something else in there that I don't know how to pronounce. Uh, Wentz better than Foles feels like a shot at me there. Uh, best Bird, <laughs> what do you, you think? <laughs> best, you yeah, <laughs> best birds uh, pod five stars. Much appreciated. He has a hot take. Quez will not only make the team; he'll end the season with more yards and touchdowns than Deshaun Jackson. Wow! No, I don't think that. But I mean, I love the take. Well, look, it's possible. Deshaun, Deshaun played one I mean, game last year, so yeah, of course it's possible. Yeah, I'm just saying, if I had to bet on it, I wouldn't bet on it. Obviously. No. I mean, like, a really good year for Quez Watkins would be three touchdowns. Yes. Like, if you got three touchdowns out of him, that would be if very good If he gets behind the defense once and gets a long touchdown, I'll be like, all right, Quez, I see you. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right, then the most recent one we got, uh, Ned from Ardmore, five stars, um, you know, wrote a, a lot of really nice stuff, but also James would love the occasional fish shut up. Fish shout out. Maybe James should start a third pod based on fish and do you need a co-host? I I wish I had time to start another podcast at this point. Um I could certainly talk fish all day. Um I love the idea. I'll I'll, I'll take it under advisement. Well, and so all right, speaking of the th potential third podcast. Yes. So obviously, as we know, the High Hopes Pod. Yes. The best Phillies podcast out there, one of the best podcasts period in Philadelphia. I mean, there's very little denying that, right? This is kind of a tough spot for you because High Hopes will be on the mound, Go Birds will be at the plate. Like <laughs> It's my my two co-hosts. Look at this. Yeah, I mean, you've been I'm clear being about what you think is here. going to happen. Right. Do you want you've to know what I'm rooting what you for? think is going to happen? You just, you know. Well, so ahead, uh, so here's what I'll say. I 100% think that you're going to fail against Jack. Like, I've made that clear. But, but, what am I rooting to happen? I want you to home run against Jack. That would be among the greatest things that's ever happened in this world. Jack might never recover. Like, this, yeah. could, this could literally break Jack Fritz if you somehow, to use a, uh, a common phrase, lock into one. 
off of him, um, it would be among the great things that's ever happened. So I'm I'm rooting for you, buddy. I don't want my doubt in your ability to to take away from the fact that I am in your corner, my friend. I'm rooting for well, Elliot Barks. As you know from my, you know, the text I've sent you, I'm not lacking in confidence. No, you don't need feel, you don't need any help in that department. Yeah, I feel very good. Um, the time I spent at the batting cage basically convinced me that if I would have just like so when I first tweeted, I thought I could luck into a home run. I was just kind of it was just like a quick thought I had. Now after being in the batting cages, I think if I dedicated like, you know, three months of my life to this, I could I would almost definitely be able to hit a home run with enough with enough swings this like is, this no is, this is absurd this is ridiculous and, this is among the most ridiculous things you've ever said i here's what i want you to do so when you face jack tomorrow and obviously we will talk about it on wednesday's podcast i can't wait we might not even talk eagles it might just all be about right, what just, happened um what i want, you can watch it live by the way what, people. what i want on, you to do streaming. is when you see 80 miles an hour coming in Think about how much harder and faster 95 is, like how different it is. And and the idea, again, like you couldn't touch one. And then we're not even talking about if they throw off speed stuff. Like, again, a ball can seem like it's coming in your face and then you fall to the ground and then the ball cuts over the middle of the plate and it's actually a strike. Like, I just I don't think you have any concept for the level of pitching you were talking about facing. So I started in the batting cages at 55 miles an hour and worked my way up, right? Didn't really feel that much different, honestly. Like, you really just swing. It's not like, you know, the bat's smaller when the ball comes quicker or something, right? So you really just swing. I would also say my overall take is the best baseball players, they're just the strongest ones. Like, like if I was stronger, I could hit a home run. There's no, no doubt about that. Like, I can hit the ball, right? But it's just at this point, I don't have enough strength. Like, I would need to, you know, get back in the gym. And that'll probably hurt me against Jack. Like, I don't know if I'll get a home run. You're not going to, of course you're not going to get a home run. You need to luck into a single, my friend. Oh, no, I, it will. If I hit a single, I'll be disappointed if I don't hit a single. Oh, my like, God. I, I mean, again, granted, there I won't be any, touch one. any defense. I don't think you but. touch one against Jack. And that's like so far below a major league pitcher. It's but here's even, what I don't get. Like, you saw me, you saw me hit one that was going 75. Like you, like we know Jack, that's what Jack is going to throw. So what makes you think I can't there hit There is a like, massive well, difference between a batting cage where the ball comes the exact same spot, the exact same speed every time, and a pitcher who can move the ball around, who can manipulate the ball. Like, Jack can throw off speed stuff, too. Like, I just don't think you understand. Like, And it's also it's a lot different picking up a pitch from a pitcher's hand and a delivery than it is when it's coming out of that little shoot in a right. batting cage. Like, a batting cage is way, way, way way, way, way easier than, like, let's put it this way, like a pitcher who throws 75 versus a batting cage at 75, the batting cage at 75 is 100 times easier than the pitcher who throws 75. It's not so all about just the speed. So let me ask you, why, why is that? I, did I not just tell you? I mean, a number of things. Well, no, I'm saying because you're saying it's coming off the mound all right, and like, like on all a, on that a, stuff. On a okay. very basic level, Jack is not going to throw the ball in the same spot every time. On a very basic level, like Jack can throw a fastball, but he can throw it high and tight. He can throw it on the outside corner. He can throw it in the bottom, you know, on the inside corner. Like Jack's going to move the ball around. And then the idea of off-speed stuff, the idea of why it's so hard for major league hitters to hit it all the time is the idea that it's the same motion. So you're seeing the pitcher and you're expecting a 95-mile-per-hour fastball and it looks exactly the same until all of a sudden it's not 95 and it's coming at 85 and then it's cutting a different way and stuff. Like, it's all about recognition. It's about knowing these types of things. Like, you don't have that. You've never done it at that level. Like, I, again, I, I just... 
I don't think you understand what you've gotten yourself into until you face a real pitcher. Like, that's the main point of what I'm trying to say. Well, James, on Wednesday podcast, oh, we will discuss what wait. happened. I'm so excited for this. I'm so excited. It's going right. to be amazing. So yeah, I'm Wednesday, very we'll talk about that. Uh, real quick, two more things we have to get to before we go. Um, I can't. I just can't wait for this because I think you need to face Fritz, and then we can have a, a, a better conversation about it. Um, again, I really hope it works. I hope that I'm wrong and you crush him because it would just be the best. Thank you. Uh, I, I'm rooting for you. All right. Um, two quick things before we get out of here. One. Watch a few good men, man. Watch a I few will. good men. I will. All right. Dude, tell people what you did this weekend instead of watching a few good men. <laughs> Do I have to? <laughs> no. Yeah, you know. Let's just no. say that Elliot spent a day watching something that was not a few good men when he could have been watching a few good men. I watched the final. Well, I should say I, me and my girlfriend watched, me and Kristen watched the entire last season of Sex in the City and then the first movie of Sex in the City. Oh I mean, it was a marathon. It was a marathon on E. Like, you know, had to do it. You did not have to do it. A Few Good well, Men is eight billion times as good a movie as Sex in the City was. And I, I don't have any problems Have you problems seen with the Sex in the City movie? I have. Yes, I've seen the entire series. My wife liked it. I've seen the entire series and I've seen both movies. It's not even in the same hemisphere as A Few Good Men. It's not even the same, like, like category. Again, well, I will you put watch a Twitter, you put a poll I, I out on Twitter. Promise. What was it? 88% of people said it was a good movie. That's pretty resounding yes on Twitter. It is. It is. And I will I will watch it this week. When we do Go Birds Radio on Saturday, I will have a review of it. I believe you. So make it happen. All right. Last thing I got. This is I'll, I'll make it my final thought. I enjoy making the Joe Judge update of the day, my final thought. Elliot, I don't, oh, know, it's so good. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this or not, but Ralph Vacchiano tweeting out. Uh Today's practice was originally scheduled to go two hours. Near the end, Joe Judge, Joe Judge gathered the team and rimped into them with an expletive-filled speech. Then he kept them on the field another half an hour. This is like uh, high school, man. This guy's like a high school coach. He's not even a college coach. He is a high school coach coaching the Giants. It is awesome. Like, the number one thing I've learned from Doug off the chip thing is it does matter if your players like you. It just flat out does. Like I get like the Belichick thing where, you know, maybe people don't have a ton of fun playing for the Patriots. Like, yeah, that's Bill Belichick. You know, like this is not Joe Judge. I cannot imagine how much those players hate Joe Judge. They must I just hate I him. flat out can't imagine it. And like, man, Joe Judge in Philly would be an absolute disaster. Oh like, could you imagine? Well, especially this, like, after Chip now too, because we have evidence and we know we're like, oh God, right. this is never gonna work. Ever. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to win more than three or four oh, games. Oh, it's so year. great. It's so great. What's your yeah, final thought? Be um, no, I mean, look, I'm just, I'm ready for Tuesday. I'm ready. Like, I'm my, so hands ready. Have, my hands have recovered from my time in the batting cages. The, this, this the swelling is down in my right hand. It's grueling time in the batting cage. Yeah. And, and more importantly, I guess, since this is a podcast that talks about the Eagles, you know, like, we're going to have more training camp practices. And it is wild that since we last talked and now – it's now less than three weeks till uh, till week one. So we are not far off from our first like week of pods leading into a game, our pre our, our preview shit, pod, our post game pod. Holy like, shit is the only thing I can say yeah. that. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, so we are we are very close. And I, you know, hopefully we're not just talking about how terrible the offensive line is. We're talking about how great this defensive line Let's is. Go. I'm so <laughs> I can ready. feel the excitement. I am. All right, we'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, everyone tweeted Elliot, wish him good luck. 
tomorrow against Jack. And I'm sure you can watch it all unfold online. I guarantee it'll be live streamed. So look out for that. Yes, sir. As well. All right. We'll be back later in the week. He's Elliot. I'm James. We'll see you later.